news, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and Gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Welcome. Happy Tuesday to the people listening at home to the Objective Basketball Podcast. As here, Lauren joining me as always. And we have a guest, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, she is a lawyer turned sports personality. I would love to, in another day, another world, talk to you about our talk to you about the change between lawyer and sports personality. But uh, this is Natalie Esquire. Does stuff for NBC Sports. Does stuff for Holly and Smith. Does stuff Golden Space Pod. All of it. All of it. Uh, does incredible work. I'm sure you've seen her on Twitter uh, tweeting away about the Golden State Warriors. Regardless, uh, Natalie, how are you? How is everything going? Wow, what a warm welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And I am, you know, trying to navigate this warrior season. <laughs> yeah, as you should be. It is, uh, you know what? It's funny you talk about navigating the season because I feel like my, our, me and Lauren, our expectations for the season of the Warriors were a little bit different. Um, yeah, and I, I think maybe I had expectations that they would be able to get back to that, you know, championship status, contender status, adding Chris Paul, maybe the young guys flourish in a way they have. And while some of that has worked out, it's the uns, it's the surprising stuff that hasn't worked out. Clay Thompson has struggled. Andrew Wiggins has struggled. Kavon Looney looks like he's carrying bricks in his feet. Like what is, you know, a lot of the stuff that you could rely on for the last eight years when it comes to Warriors basketball are not reliable anymore. From your perspective, just generally, and we're coming off the wake of a pretty bad loss to the, to the Toronto Raptors, which maybe mm-hmm. we can get into as well. Yeah. How, how are you feeling? Like, what is the vibe overall with what your expectation is to end the season? What your expectation is, you know, especially given the history of the Warriors and the dynasty and just in general, how are you feeling about the team? I mean, I've sort of just accepted what this season is, you know, like, yeah. I'm always going to root for the Warriors, but um, even if they trade, you know, um, and I, I mean, unlike I think many, I don't think that the Warriors are like super far off, you know, um, sure. I just think that there's just been so much turmoil this season uh, and there's, you know, there's just, I feel like, um, issues on the roster. Like, mm-hmm. it, un, people are unhappy. Uh, you know, Wiggs, Andrew Wiggins, I can't figure out what it is with him. I refuse to believe that all of a sudden he just forgot how to play basketball. And I understand right. that, like, either. different people have different views on Andrew Wiggins. But whatever your yeah. view is, he's not this. He's not, mm-hmm. like what we're seeing on the court this season, like he's experiencing career lows in multiple categories. And so there's just too many variables. There's like too many things going wrong. Like you have things that happen over the course of a season, but you have Draymond Green getting suspended indefinitely. You have Clay Thompson struggling probably a little bit more than he normally does. You have Kevon Looney who just, I don't know, fell off of a cliff. Like you mentioned, you have Andrew Wiggins. Like we already said, you have, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, like not pleased with their minutes. You know, you have 
for many, not for me, but for many, Steve Kerr probably having one of his worst coaching seasons, right? right? And so there's just too many things. I just, to me, it would be a lot to overcome if they did. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I'm all for it, but I just think they need to kind of regroup and think about what's the best way to put a winning team around Steph moving forward for, you know, the last couple of years he has on the back end of his prime. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that you mentioned the word variable and and one thing that I kind of from the outside I'm looking at the Warriors wondering, maybe you can shed some light here, is you mentioned a lot of the change, like guys coming in, even even like some of the bright spots with pods and even even um uh, excuse me, Trace Jackson Davis and kind of how he's surprised a little bit in the effective lineups with yeah. Dario Saric at times. There have been some some small positives, but it just seems like the rotation is constantly changing because of something that has come up, good or bad. And so mm-hmm. I guess how hard is it to try and take this new group with young guys and new big personalities kind of bring brought into the locker room with Chris Paul and all of this history how hard is it to juggle all of those things on top of the stuff that we've talked about with Draymond, guys being unhappy with their minutes? Are they just two timelines? Two timelines. Like, yeah, is there any, yeah. like, what direction should they, what should they tackle first? I guess is what I'm really trying to get at because there's just so <laughs> much change. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm sure we all have different answers, right? So, what that should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think you come off of Chris Ball, personally. Um, uh, I think you got to save Steve Kerr from himself a little bit, though, um, including someone who I'm sure you guys are familiar with, Iman Adden, I'm sure will disagree with me um, yeah, yeah. about Chris Paul, but the Chris Paul experiment doesn't work. I don't care what the numbers say. This is not a me being The numbers anti- do, you know what? Yeah, I'm not I don't really, care. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm not an anti-analytics person. Let me just make okay. that clear. I'm not but I don't give a damn about the numbers. I like, like this like- because <laughs> I, I, I like that a lot. I it doesn't that. work. I totally get that. And so I, you know, it's like one of those things. Like I feel like analytics and your eye test have to align. And when they don't, yeah. then you know, like he's Chris Paul. So the way that I feel about it is like Chris Paul's going to be a positive in every lineup he plays in because he's Chris right. Paul. But also the defense is really bad. Like it's atrocious. Right. And also like there's you know you have to have Steph guard up to play next mm-hmm. to him. Um, and I don't love those lineups and the way that they run when he's in it. Um, like, depending on who's on the court with him, sometimes he turns Jonathan Kaminga into a spot-up shooter. Maybe not right. intentionally, but that's what happens as a result because him and Dario have, like, their little connection. So, you know, it's like you could look at Dario's numbers and say, wow, they look great this year. And then also, like, if you play him at the five, he's abysmal. Like, yeah. you know, it's Small, like, right? yeah, yeah. so it's like everything he gives you on offense, he gives it right back on defense, right? So it's like, it's one of those things. Like, I'm sure the numbers are good. And yet when I watch it, it isn't good. Right. So um, I think that's how most Warriors fans feel. Uh, and uh, really, it's an expiring contract. Get what you can for it. So uh, as, and the reason I really think they should come off of Chris Paul, because I think it's their path to potentially getting a Siakam or a free agent. The Warriors don't have cap space. They're not going to be able to do anything in the summer. Right. And I think Andrew Wiggins, the value of his contract's too low to really like net them anything. Right. So you 
put Chris Paul in a salary filler with uh, a young piece that a team may want and you can get something. And if you're going to take a shot on a rental, I don't think you really want to give up like a real asset. Like, you know, because you don't know. What if Andrew Wiggins rebounds? I haven't given up on Wiggs, but like you just don't know. So I think they have to like come off of Chris Paul. I think they have to trade Moses Moody. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there's no path to Moses Moody staying with the Warriors. Like, I don't think he's been pleased with. He played the- well last night, Nat. Just saying. I'm just saying Look, he played well. I 21 points. Moses. Yeah. This isn't a me not liking Moses thing. This <laughs> no, is like, I know. I know. Of this course, is a yeah. Steve Kerr thing. You have to ask him what his issue is with Moses <sighs> Moody. You know, Damn. it takes Chris Paul, Gary Payton the second, and Draymond Green being out the lineup for him to you know, factor him into the rotation. And so, um, and I I saw a lot of Raptors fans saying like they weren't pleased with any of the Warriors assets. I'm just like, okay, you guys are being good. (laughs) Listen, that's always going to happen. That's always going to happen. No, you know what? Since, since we've kind of arrived at the Siakam conversation already, let's, Mm -hmm. let's have that Siakam conversation now. Um, And I, I, I think it does start with the idea that Pascal would, given the reports, given the indication that he's not a guy who is going to be signing on the dotted line tomorrow to extend. Now, to be fair, a place like Golden State, a place like the Bay Area uh, with Steph Curry, it gives you certain advantages to re-sign a player like that because one, you're staying competitive. Two, obviously, great location, great area for him to play in. Uh, and three, if that contract inevitably ends up being there, he's going to be a part of a contender. And I think that plays a huge factor for trading for a guy like Pascal. When it comes to what the package is, I would agree with you. I think even from the Raptors perspective, they would prefer the expiring salary of Chris Paul and then having to attach whatever, you know, I, I just because you're getting off the money and then next year you, the Raptors would have cap space to be able to go out and get someone, whatever that would might be. Um, right. But I, I think that's an interesting aspect of it. It's like, what would you prefer? And from the Warriors side of things, if you are trying to compete this year, having the size of Wiggins, having the versatility that Wiggins could potentially provide you in a lineup with Siakam, with Draymond, with Clay, with Steph. For sure. Makes a lot more sense, right? Like it just it yeah, I don't know. It it makes a lot of sense to me. I you know, I'm I I'm always curious to hear what people like you who know the Raptors better than me say because I know Aman wasn't sure if they'd want like an expiring contract. I mm-hmm. think it's attractive, you know, like yeah. you. Um you know, the thing is to me it's like I I think Masai probably wants Jonathan Kaminga and um, yeah. and who seems like a Masai type of player. <laughs> yeah. um, Listen, I'll say this right now. At the draft, when when the Kaminga draft, which was 2021, mm-hmm. they loved him. They loved yeah. Jonathan Kaminga. And it was very close. Like, you know, even at that time, there was that conversation of Pascal for seven plus 14. And, and right. I think it was Wiggins. Right. You know what I mean? They would, I'm sure right now they're probably trying to pursue the similar <laughs> package, you know, but yeah, who knows? Who knows if that's going to be the case? Crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I don't think the Warriors are willing to come off Kaminga unless they have some kind of assurance from Pascal, right? right? I think that's the only way that they would consider it. Um, I am curious. Do you guys think that 
he would be willing to lose Pascal for nothing after just losing Fred for for nothing. We were just talking about that uh, off air a little bit before you jumped on. Um, I look the the thing with Pascal is that and and the difference between Fred is that Pascal is wholeheartedly the franchise player of this team. Fred was obviously he became an All Star, one of the great development stories for the Raptors of like recent years, but. He wasn't the guy they were building around. Pascal, for the last four or five years, has been the guy that they were building around. And now that they have Scotty Barnes, it puts into question the fact that they are building around a guy like Pascal. He's obviously 30 years old. There's the whole timeline conversations of building younger guys. I don't necessarily like believe in that type of stuff. I think you can still have older players and younger guys and just like develop throughout. But at the same time, he is going to want a max contract. There is that fact that they are not going to be willing to pay the luxury tax and with a contract like rj barrett baking in emmanuel quickly's contract extension they just won't have the money to keep a guy like pascal right so from that perspective like i would say right now 95 chance that pascal is traded by the deadline five percent chance that he stays and hmm. maybe that five percent chance grows you know, maybe they don't like the offers that they see. We were just talking about Dallas off air. We, you know, Golden State is obviously a place that's been mentioned a bunch, Sacramento. But if those deals aren't there and they don't transpire, maybe an extension is revisited. But I would be very, very surprised given the cap craziness that is coming for them this summer mm -hmm. if they do extend a guy like Pascal. You know? Well, I want to yeah. propose a, a, a trade to you if it was with the Warriors and tell Talk me what to me. you think of let's it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So what if it was not um, Jonathan Kaminga, but it was Moses Moody mm -hmm. with Chris Paul's expiring and a pick thrown in? Um, yeah. What would you think about a deal centered around Moody instead? Because I think he may actually be a better fit. For the team yeah, yeah um and also like i mean i'm sort of on the it's better to get something than nothing but i don't think i don't think moody i feel like if you've actually been paying attention to moses moody i mean zach lowe is writing about moses moody he really yeah. is a a, a a player with a lot of potential who i don't think i agree has been giving yeah. a fair chance in golden state and i feel like you guys have a history of taking, you know, our players <laughs> <laughs> and making them look great later. No, but um, <laughs> shout out to no, Crochet. Shout but, out to Chris um, Crochet, who, who, by the way, did not miss a shot yesterday against the Warriors. Yeah, so exactly. Um, exactly. So, yeah, no. but I mean, to me, I actually think that's a really reasonable offer for a rental, if you will, because mm -hmm. they don't know what's going to happen. Um, yep. You're getting a young piece. You don't have to worry about Chris Paul's contract and you get a pick. Um, I'm sure they, of course, Masai would love that a lot more if it was like Kaminga instead, but what do you right. think about a deal like that? And would you like that over the other options out there right now? It seems like the Kings are off the table. I don't right. know what Dallas is offering. I don't know if you like what Indy's offering. So mm -hmm. what, what do you think about that? So it's funny because uh, like in the back of my head, I know what the, some of these offers are. And so I, it's, you're, you're asking a good person, but I'm also trying to like, not 
be as forthcoming with like the exact offers because I don't want to I don't want to give out the the information as well. It's a little bit of a tricky situation. Understandable, yeah. But but at the same time, I think if you're looking at it, by the way, I completely agree with you that Moses Moody is a good player. And if I had to look at like you know Kaminga has been good, he's shown flashes here and there. But Moody makes so much more sense for the Warriors rotation, and it never kind of added up to me why he was getting the short end of the stick in that rotation. A guy who can potentially, he hasn't shot the ball well this season, but like potentially can space the floor. You you talked about the defensive issues earlier. He solves a lot of their defensive issues at the point of attack, perimeter defense. Like Moody does save. And I I can't remember who they were playing, but there was a game in which he just absolutely demolished the team in the, to start the fourth quarter. And Steve Kerr pulled him out benched him for the rest of the game for Wiggins and you're like, what is Dallas maybe was that Dallas I can't remember but yeah it was when Steve Kerr then said you know he did he said my bad the next day right right right, yeah and that blew my mind because it's like you can't be that rigid in your coaching perspective to not see what's happening (laughs) right in the game and that's a whole nother conversation on Steve Kerr and everything that happened (laughs) Steve Kerr related to the point of the trades um, I think Indiana has had multiple offers in place for Pascal. Those offers would be better than the Moody plus Chris Paul plus pick. Atlanta has had multiple different offers in place that would be better than the Moody plus plus Chris Paul plus pick. But at the same time, Pascal has not been really forthcoming when it comes to indicating his willingness to stay and extend in those places. And that's why a trade hasn't happened, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we haven't had a Pascal Siakam trade. It's been an ongoing rumor for the last 12 months. And I think that kind of shows you that maybe those offers are only on the table if he is willing to extend, if he gives an indication he's willing to extend. And so if we're talking about this from a a different perspective, which is he is not willing to extend, he is not willing to do this, then it comes to the conversation of Dallas. Then it comes to the conversation of Golden State and the Moody situation and you know other situations with Sacramento and whatnot. Then it gets a little bit trickier. By the way, to your point about Fred earlier uh, and last month, you know, the, the report was Trey Mann or sorry, Terrence Mann and salary and like a, a very, very late protected first round pick. I tend to agree with you that you might as well get something instead of nothing. And from that perspective, if you do feel as though Pascal is going to walk this summer, which I would be surprised, to be honest with you, if you do feel that there is that indication, then you got to get something. And Mo- Moody might as well be that something. Yeah, I mean, I don't really see them having, aside from putting up Kaminga, which I yeah. feel they're not going to do for a risk. You know, yeah. like I feel like, they're not even playing Moody anyways. I feel like they'd part with him for a risk. I don't think that they would Kaminga, but I mean, uh, you guys don't want Andrew Wiggins. So it's like, (laughs) you know, what else are you going to give up? So um, I'd be curious to, to, to see what happens with Pascal. I mean, you know, to probably Toronto's advantage, the Warriors are a little um, desperate to make some change. Sure, but yeah. as of right now, at least the reports, you know how it is with trades, right? There's a lot of posturing and then yeah, yeah. all of a sudden the deal is yeah. So who knows if they're really unwilling to come off of um, 
Jonathan Kaminga, but at least right now that seems to be their position. Can I ask you a question? So let's say, sorry, Lauren, you can, we can no, jump can into the other talks afterwards, but um, yeah, for sure. in general, if it wasn't Pascal, right? If it wasn't Siakam, are there any other players out there that you think you would like the Warriors to target or go after that might actually make a difference in this season? Because the reason Pascal is, is mentioned is because, you know, he might be able to actually change the, you know, swing the pendulum, if you will, for this team. <coughs> are there any other players out there? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I think there's like the pipe dream that every Warriors fan has, which is Laurie Markkinen, right? Right. I yeah. don't I don't think he's really becoming available. And if he is, I think every team is like in the yeah. – <laughs> right? Yeah. Throwing their hat in for him. So I don't know. If he becomes available, then sure. But, uh, you know, I think – it's funny. I just talked about this on my podcast last night. But I think, uh, you know, Jared Allen potentially – uh, that's been a Lauren to Lauren. Lauren has mentioned Jared Allen to Golden State so many times. Yeah, I can't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I think that I think ideally the Warriors want and I think they need a second scorer, right? Mm. Um, who's consistent, right. um, who can create their own shot and um Obviously, someone like Pascal is ideal because he can defend, you know. Um, so to me, when you start to talk about a player like Jared Allen, it's like, okay, he's not like your second person, but he does add another element to the Warriors, um, right. which would be really helpful. Um, can't play how he played in the postseason. Right. Um, but, you know, so a player like him... Um, you know, look, their name have their name has been in conversations with Zach Levine. I don't love that fit as much. Me too. Uh, so yeah. I don't think so. But um, you know, and then there's like who else come becomes available? You know, Claxton from the 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 Nets. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I think it's like which teams are going to be having you know fire mm-hmm. sales sort of as the deadline nears potentially, but Mm -hmm. I feel like there's not that many number two options out there. There's Pascal, Zach Levine, and maybe, you know, Lori, I I haven't heard any, like I wouldn't look at DeJounte Murray as like a number two. (laughs) So I, I, I don't know, but like, I think of everyone that I'm thinking, Jared Allen's maybe the only other one that I think I would sort of, like who I feel like okay he could come in um and it would make a difference because if not then you're just kind of adding pieces on the margins or you're just getting Mm -hmm. another player who can contribute to your scoring which is not necessarily a bad thing um and you'd have length and he would obviously give you some room protection and and stuff like that but the Warriors I think need someone who can do both right like not like a either or and someone who can get it on their own because you're going to still have to set him up, you know? Um, And right now, even though, you know, Clay is struggling, Andrew Wiggins is struggling, the Warriors can still generate offense. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, It's their defense that's really the bigger issue. They can generate offense. Their bench has been carrying them all season. It's been the the core and the starters were struggling, but the bench is like one of the top benches, you know, in the league. So, mm-hmm. um, 
we'll see what happens. But yeah, they're gonna have to try to make something shake. Yeah. Could you could you see them going for when it comes to like addressing kind of some of the like the third last or bottom two in the league in blocks, like kind of looking at the front court, the five more specifically, could you see them trying to have conversations on an Isaiah Stewart or a Wendell Carter Jr.? Or do you think that that's maybe slightly too young for them and not quite the right fit or even the right mold for them? Or could you see them trying to swindle something there kind of exposing and, and maximizing on those situations that have maybe gone not the right direction for Detroit and Orlando? You know, it's an interesting question. Because I say that because I think there's also questions around whether Steve Kerr is going to be the coach of this team in the summer. Yeah. Um, Come the summer, rather. So I, I, you wonder, like, if some of those guys are Steve Kerr players. But then it's also, like, does it matter if they're a Steve Kerr player right now? I I don't know. So it's also, I feel like at this point you... Look, if he's going to be the person going forward, then I think you do have to get Steve Kerr players. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that's a decision the Warriors have made. I I can't wow. tell yeah. you because yeah. you've now had a bunch of rotation, uh, a bunch of uh, young picks who have not seemed to to go well under right. Steve Kerr, right? And so you don't want to make a trade for a player that's not a Steve Kerr guy. Right. And then when you I mean I can't Steve imagine Kerr them making or... a trade and he's right. not gonna play the player, but you know, I think I think they want something a little bit more meaningful, you know. Okay. So it's not even that I don't think those guys could help. I just think they want they need something a little bit more. And you know, they've always the Warriors are fine playing small, generally mm-hmm. speaking. You know, they've kind of just always not tried to get bigs. Um, I agree with you about their front court that so, so I, I think they are coming to the realization, at least from some of the things I'm hearing, mm-hmm. that what they've always done doesn't is probably not working anymore. Right. Um, and so, but I don't know that you're going to fix that really in the middle of the season. I think some yeah. of this is like you try to get a player now, and then you're going to have to address a lot more in the off season. Fair, fair. So it's it's interesting you say address stuff in the off season because now you're bringing Draymond back. Right. And Draymond had his, his return, obviously had the podcast reacting, talking about him returning back. Um, there's, there's clips all over online. If you want to go and look at him, look at him regardless. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think one of the more interesting aspects of that is if you do acquire a guy like Pascal, you know, maybe you're looking at that as the Draymond replacement. And this idea has brought to been brought to me recently of like, oh, maybe <coughs> in the summer, you know, now you have Pascal in the fold, you can move Draymond to another team, start anew, start fresh, whatever that might be. Is that something that interests you? Or do you feel like Draymond is too ingrained into the Steph, Clay, Dre? Obviously, you know, four championships, eight years, you can't take that away. But how do you feel about that? <laughs> I think you can't take anything away, but um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I think there's multiple ways to answer that question and it depends on who you're asking, I suppose. But probably in theory, the best thing to do would be to keep Pascal and Draymond together. And I think they can play together. I just, 
don't know, like, do you really want a player as volatile as Draymond still on the team? Right. And again, this sort of brings me back to like, if Kerr is going to be the coach, right? Because in the system the Warriors play in Kerr's system, Draymond is very vital. And I don't think that, I don't think that Pascal can do all the things that Draymond does. So even though he's a very good defender, right? I think they would have to reimagine the way they play. I think they would have to change things about the the way they play. And you might have to get some other players because you're not going to get one who sort of does what Draymond does. Um, And if you take him away, like who's going to quarterback your defense, right? Like we know when Draymond's on the court, um, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga, everybody looks like a much better defender when Draymond's on the court. I don't think of Pascal as that guy who's going to like come in and do that. So you have to play differently. And that would require Steve Kerr to change. I was going to say, you, you, you have to be coached differently also at that exactly. point, too. Right. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think that he's going to do that or that he's the coach right. for that. Now, if they're not keeping Steve Kerr, then maybe then that matters less. And it's a new coach who's coming in with a new vision for how they're going to defend, what players, you know, the coach wants, and so forth. So right. I think that... I think the Warriors would come off of Draymond. I just, I've always thought that. I think it's a a marriage of, you know, necessity. I think that the way that they are structured, it's almost like impossible to do that. And I've always personally wanted them to find another way to play that doesn't rely on Draymond because you can't trust him. He's too volatile. So I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I think right now it still hurts them more than it helps, you know, until you can see what other players they get, um, how they're going to play. I think they really want to, you know, if you get a Pascal, I feel like someone else is going to be moved. You you mm-hmm. think, you you assume that they're probably going to try to get like a friendlier contract with Clay. I don't actually think that's hard because, I don't know what Clay's market's going to be, but I don't think it's going to be no, you yeah, know, yeah. anything. So I, I feel like they would just be negotiating against themselves personally. <laughs> so, but you, like they, they traded Jordan for a reason. It wasn't just because of, you know, him and Draymond, like they did not want to pay that money. Yeah. So I feel like even if they were to get a Pascal type player, they're going to have to come off of, another contract so whether that's Draymond whether that's Andrew Wiggins you know the thing is Andrew his his value is low right now so that's why I sort of think you keep him and hope he can somehow get back to rehabbing his value a little bit so now in the offseason the contract's worth more because it's it's a movable contract in terms of the dollars it's pretty reasonable the wing is still like a valued position people just have to know that he has something left or it has to be a team that I guess is willing to take a project. Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, I think I'm fine with them coming off Draymond. I am fine with them trading anyone except Steph, you know, which we know isn't going to happen. I think everything should be on the table. That includes clay. That includes everyone. But I think at this late stage, what do you have? Maybe two years of Steph at this level. Um, I think if you do too many, too many changes, 
that makes it a lot harder for them to win, you know, because right. usually teams yeah. need continuity um, to know each exactly. other for a while playing. So I think you can make some changes. I don't think they can be so drastic of changes, though, where it's like multiple new players and, you know, mm-hmm. plus a new coach, plus a new way that they play. Right. Like, I yeah. think you could change a couple of those things. I don't think you can change all of those things. Yeah, it can't be a wholesale restructuring around stuff. It has to be picking and choosing your spots. And that's why they're such they're in such a yeah. tough position, Lauren. Yeah, well, what what fascinates me is when I look at their roster and I look at guys who I think that they there's a chance that they would trade in terms of okay that they could they could either include him in a package or get like a reasonable offer for him or oh they probably wouldn't want to trade that guy and wait whether it be waiting out Wiggins like you said or not wanting to be you know intrigued in moving Kaminga looking at the guys that are actually likely to get moved how much risk do you think is involved and what do you think that means for this deadline specifically if it's maybe more likely than not that that they move someone like Wiggins or Kaminga or maybe they want to hold on to these players to wait and see because they don't feel like that move that's actually going to make a difference is right is is to happen right now what does that mean for them if you're playing with this risk of these sort of dominoes falling with Steve Kerr and then changing the system and then changing like what does that mean for how they approach this next deadline beyond just having Pascal Siakam as kind of this big name yeah I mean I think I think they they are like pushing to do some kind of trade. Mm-hmm. Now, does it end up being Pascal? I don't know, but I think, you know, which is not like the Warriors of past, but they have a new GM and I think he moves a little True. differently than um Bob Myers and I think things are different this year. Joe Lacob yeah. showed up to Steve Kerr's post game the other day. Crazy. Absolutely wild. <laughs> <laughs> craziness i was gonna bring that up when you when you brought up the whole steve kerr thing i mean the fact that that was even the case goes to show you that maybe there's a little bit more pressure than the uh than the ic's you know yeah so i i think they're gonna do a trade um what it's gonna land them i don't know but i think they're gonna definitely do a trade I think regardless, you want to still hold on to some stuff until the off season because we know that things change very quickly in the NBA, right? Team oh, gets yeah. an early exit in the playoffs. I mean, you know, Giannis is over there talking about the equipment manager. Like, <laughs> what happens if the Bucks have, like, an early exit, you know? Right. Um, yeah. It's been shaky. I get it that, like, Giannis just re-upped. But what if they have an early exit? You know, what does that mean? Um, what if the Sixers go out early again, right? right. Like, yeah. oh yeah, stars and other players can become available very quickly. And I think there's still a lot of stars who would say, hell yeah, I'd play with Steph Curry, you know? Oh, yeah. So I think you have to leave some too for the off season for the event. You know, like we never knew Kyrie Irving was going to be available from the Cavs until one day it was just like, Kyrie Irving, what's the thing? You know, like, to me, that will never not be the most random thing. Like, what? That was crazy. Uh, oh, so, yeah. you know, I think, I think, I don't think you need to try to like do it all right now. I think you make one move right now because teams that really trade for someone in the middle of the season they don't win it off it's like a you know and trying to even get a a piece like pascal that's a big change in itself to try to like work in so i think you try to do like one thing and like see what you can do for this season and then you now have the off season to try to convince pascal to stay if you do get him and then work on like the other pieces you have to move to 
make this roster look like the kind of roster you think you need to compete. It's so funny you mentioned the trading one guy, the, the figuring out the chemistry there. Because I was just talking about this with someone. It's like there should be an incentive for these teams that are interested in Pascal to trade for him earlier rather than later. Because if you are trying to compete, if you are trying to contend, then you need more time to incorporate that type of guy and really hit the road running or whatever you want to say. So like maybe they're, I don't know. I'm, I guess that's Nobody just my way to of- give up their stuff. They're, everyone's yeah. trying to see Wait how desperate each other is, right? Exactly. And I mean, yeah. you don't want to like hurt yourself in the process because you're trying to still win. I mean, the right. Warriors have a log jam. So I feel like they have a little room, but I mean- who knows? Right now, Kaminga is definitely better than Andrew in the starting lineup. But if right. you do get a Pascal, you can't play him and Jonathan next to each other. Right. So yeah. Andrew would have to go back into the starting lineup, assuming he's still there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I, I just look that 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 line could change. But I don't think right now, unless like there's a little, you know, assurance behind the behind the scenes that. Pascal is like, yeah, I'd resign. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think they would do it if they had that assurance. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, who knows? You know, we're still a month away from the deadline. Like, maybe that assurance comes at some point. And I, you know, I've I've mentioned this to Lauren before, but I really do think if there is a team that could get that assurance, it's the Golden State Warriors. Just because Steph Curry, Bay Area, Max Extension, come play here. What about Philly? Is that Maybe. possible in reuniting with Nurse in Philly? Uh, for, look, from what I know, they did not have the best of relationships. Uh, sure. So I, I would be surprised. Maybe that's water <laughs> under the bridge. Maybe that has, you know, kind of boiled over. You know, maybe it's changed, right? Uh, but I, I would be pretty surprised there. Obviously, there's the Joel Embiid connection, them being from the same country, whatnot. Like, there is that connection there. But I, I would be pretty surprised if it was Philly. I think the... The teams that Golden State would be competing with would be Atlanta, Indiana, uh, and maybe Sacramento if things change on that front. Maybe Dallas. Who knows, Lauren? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe maybe they get frisky and get involved in this too. We'll it really we'll just see. depends on the value. Um, and yeah, Do you like, think he's the kind of player where it's like money above all else, or is he taking into account like where he's playing for the next few years and opportunity to win? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to like downplay a city, but like, I don't know if like Indiana is like a great free agent destination, although right. playing with Halliburton is definitely attractive. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. don't know if it's like, okay, do you want to be in Indiana? You know, I'm not sure. I, think, I, I mean, I think the, the main things that would appeal to him one are a desire for him to play there. And obviously I think money does play a factor because this would be the, the last massive contract right. that he signs, right? This obviously get your bag, do your thinking all good, right? That's, that's part probably prioritized really high. But after that, I think it's winning. Like he is so hungry to win and compete for another championship that I think that would be prioritized over whatever destination that is. Who, who helps him the most in that category? And honestly, I do think the answer comes back to Golden State because it's like, <laughs> who gives you a better chance of competing for an NBA championship, yeah. you know, out of the suitors other than Steph Curry? And so maybe there's a willingness there to be like, okay, I will sign an extension. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll do it in the offseason or whatnot. There's like a handshake mm-hmm. agreement. But 
who knows? Last um, question, because I know you yeah. have a hard stop. But like, no, go for it. Go so for the, it. the teams that have cap space, do you think they're going to give him the full? Like, is he commanding that market? Um, depends. It depends. I mean, if you look at the teams that have cap space, right? It's like the Magic have cap space. The Pistons have cap space. The Spurs have cap space, right? Like these teams, do they want to go out and get a Pascal Siakam? I don't necessarily think he fits what they're trying to do. I also don't think Pascal would be interested in playing for those type of teams. So I think it's like, I will want to sign or extend in a contract in Toronto, or I want to go somewhere where I can extend and sign where I can compete for a championship. It's a tough place, a tough position to be in for Pascal. If you think about it, where it's like, I do demand and I can, I can kind of predict my own future. But at the same time, I'm sort of limited to where I can go and who is willing to sign me and who is willing to extend me to that point. Because then you get to a list of like maybe two or three teams that are really willing to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes hard. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think I, 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 man, you know what? The, the, The final thing I'll say on that is I do think a lot of Raptors fans will be disappointed in whatever package ends up being for Pascal Siakam. I think so. I know the return is is obviously when you compare it to the OG Ananobi trade, you're, you're looking at it, you're comparing, you're like, man, it, it totally makes so much more sense, you know, for them to get more for Siakam than for OG. But given the situation, given the contractual stuff, given the fact that in New York it was a little bit of a different situation because there was a, you know, backdoor handshake agreement for him to, he's yeah. going to he's gonna extend in New York. There's no question about that. I think it's a little bit different of a situation with Pascal. And it puts Toronto... It puts Pascal both in impossible predicaments to see how they maneuver. And I'm fascinated. I'm really fascinated to see what they do over this next month. Mm-hmm. Natalie, anything you got going on, anything you want to plug, anything you want to mention before we head out of here? Oh, no, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Just, you know, check out Golden Spaces. Um, it's available on all podcast platforms platforms um if you want to watch on youtube we're on 95.7 the games channel on youtube so you can catch us there and you know thanks thanks for having me i really appreciate it this was a fun conversation yeah of course thank you so much for for coming on i mean we got if the Siakam trade goes down and it's golden state we got to have you on to react (laughs) oh yeah i would love to to. i would love to yeah, of course. Okay, well, uh, Lauren, anything else before we head out? You, no, I, th- I, yeah, I'm good. I think we touched on it all. That was awesome. Thanks for coming on. Okay, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Objective Basketball Podcast. As always, do the liking, the rating, the things that you guys usually do to help support this podcast. From Lauren, from myself, from Natalie, we appreciate you guys. Take care. Follow House at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at The Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.